The reading today comes from Galatians 5:13 through 24. It's taken from the NIV version uh, and is actually under the, the title of Life by the Spirit. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit is what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's wonderful to be with you here this morning, worshiping with you and praising God and Jesus. I bring you greetings from the brothers and sisters in Carmen. Kim and I miss each of you very, very much. And we still consider ourselves a part of this beautiful group of believers. 2023 has been an amazing year, hasn't it? So much has gone on. And in some cases, not enough has gone on. Like golf. Where's my golf buddies? Vince, Brad, Billy, where are you guys? we got to change that in 2024. I think we should make a pact to do that. We have gone through some life changes, some health changes. We have said goodbye to some uh, faithful believers, and through it all, we have been richly blessed. And we know, we believe, we understand, we have a solid faith that God is in control. I read yesterday, it was on a t-shirt, that faith is like Wi-Fi. It's invisible but it has the power to connect you to what you need. So keep that faith signal strong, and let's look for ways to upgrade it. I thank you for your prayers with regards to my recent health issues with my heart. I had an echocardiogram this past Tuesday, and we're waiting to see what the next step is in this process. The good news is that from the angiogram done a few weeks ago, it showed that the arteries to and from the heart were clear and that the pressure in the chambers in the heart were good. I have been told that I have a new illness. It's cellular holderitis soliosis. And what that is, 
It's a common melody to millions and millions of people. And what it does when you hold your cell phone, your head drops. The only known cure is to put your phone down, get your head up, and appreciate that all that's going on around you. So pass on that remedy. As you most likely know, the theme for our for this month is we walk with the Spirit, and today's focus point is we, what we believe about our purpose. So my title for today's lesson is Walk with a Purpose. I don't have a PowerPoint because, well, I'm just not tech-savvy like some of you, so you just have to listen and follow along as best you can. I hope the things that are shared today make sense. Have you ever watched the Olympics? More specifically, the walk race event. It's the only event in the Olympics where there are no heats that lead up to the finals. All the competitors line up and they just begin the race. One race per distance, 20 kilometers, 30 kilometers, and 50 kilometers. I won't demonstrate it for you, but the walk technique is very specific. It involves arm, hip, and leg, and keeping your back perfectly straight. As funny as it looks, it's not easy to do for those distances. They walk with a purpose. One goal in mind, to finish the race in the fastest time. And all that is based on mindset, technique, and ability. Mail carriers also, Josie and Brad will attest to this, they walk with a purpose at a specific speed, carrying a bag from of mail strapped to them in just the right way, and they go from door to door. It's organized. It's deliberate. It takes a specific way to carry out the purpose of delivering the mail. So what is a purpose? If you say it's a mammal that swims in the ocean, you might have to change your hearing aid batteries. The dictionary meaning of purpose means to have as one's intention or objective. It also means resolution or a determination, and in this case, attained. Having a purpose is important. When we live our lives from day to day, there's a purpose. We go to work to earn an income to provide for our needs. We endeavor to do that work to the best of our abilities, knowing that a job well done and maybe working with others, working towards a common goal can bring about a certain amount of pride and satisfaction. We also incorporate other activities into our daily life, such as uh, physical and social exercise, again, with a specific purpose in mind that will bring about good mental and physical health. And we can say that one of the most important things we do in life is to live it with a spiritual purpose. To grow in godliness, to obey God's commands, and to grow in relationship with God and with each other. We know that many things have a purpose, and the following are just a few. For instance, a student's purpose is to learn and achieve certain levels of learning and accomplishment. To study and prepare for their future and reaching their fullest potential as lifelong learners and become solid contributing members of society. An athlete with a sense of purpose sets clear goals that are defined by what matters to them. For every athlete, one purpose is to be the very best that they can be at their sport, not only in ability, but also in character and in work ethic. Athletics teaches how to have a healthy balance in many aspects of life that include four key areas of focus, social, academic, spiritual, and physical. Athletes that are a part of a team have a group purpose to work together cohesively to attain team success, both in the arena or on the field, but also within the community. A company's purpose is to establish a brand that appeals to society, that society wants and will pay to have. 
I choose as my example this morning, because it's what I worked at for 25 plus years, the, the retail industry. Retailers' purpose is to purchase goods in large quantities from manufacturers, either directly or through a wholesaler, and then in turn sell that merchandise in smaller single consumer-sized quantities for a profit. The overall purpose of a retail company is to provide value to their customer. The Christian has a purpose too. The Christian is to live his or her life to God's glory. Because there is no one greater who is more worthy of our trust, our adoration, and our worship. And how do we do that? Well, let's dive in and take a look and see how we can achieve, but also better understand what our purpose is. One way we can better understand our purpose is to turn to the Bible. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it describes God's word as alive and active, not bound by time or culture. God's holy word, it's what we know to be the truth. There's a wealth of knowledge in the Bible to teach us, and I believe that in order to live a life with both passion and purpose, we must continue to learn who Jesus Christ is and what he says our purpose in life is. We're created in his image, so his life reflects many character traits that we should seek to live out on a daily basis. Jesus presents to us one understanding, or one way of understanding our purpose as we walk with the Spirit. He tells us that obeying God's commandments results in full joy. John chapter 15, verses 10 and 11. It's an invitation into a deeper relationship with God where obedience becomes a natural expression of our love for him, much like how a child willingly obeys a loving parent. When we are in complete submission and obedience to God, we align ourselves with his perfect will, and we experience a life that is more filling and purposeful this obedience doesn't restrict us, but rather it frees us to live in a way that brings both honor to God and authentic joy to our lives. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, we are told, May the God of love fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we submit ourselves to God, as we seek to obey him and do his will, as we look to live lives that emulate Jesus as he lived here on earth, we are filled with the Holy Spirit that strengthens, encourages, and guides us. If we are to live with a purpose, we need to understand completely who Jesus was. Yes, he was God's son. Yes, he was born as a human through a human by an immaculate birth. And yes, he lived amongst men, doing good, teaching people, forgiving people, healing people miraculously, <clears throat> all the while living a life as an example for us. Yes, he gave his life on the cross for us, which demonstrated a love for us. But more importantly, what complete obedience to his Father, our God and Father, truly looked like. If we want to understand what that purpose looks like, we need to understand the character of Jesus. I want to touch on a few character traits of Jesus. He was compassionate. Jesus never looked away from people. He always looked at them and whatever they were dealing with. He had compassion on them. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Whenever people were around him, Jesus understood what their real needs were and he sought to address them. For some, physical healing was necessary and others, it was spiritual. In all cases, though, Jesus took the time to actually notice that people were hurting and his compassion drove him to help them. Number two, he was a servant. 
Without a doubt, Jesus was the ultimate servant. Although he was praised as a great teacher and he had a great following of people, he made sure to teach them to be servants by actually doing it himself. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus tells everyone that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Despite having the authority to get anything he wanted, despite the ability to have people pamper him and give him everything that he would ever need, he did the exact opposite by lowering himself and serving others. He was loving. Obviously, Jesus had a love for others. If he didn't, he wouldn't be compassionate, nor would he be a servant. Jesus claimed that there is no greater love than to die for one of your friends, and he did just that. If anyone doubts his love, all they have to do is look upon the cross and see the agony that he bore for our sake. That very clearly is true love at its finest. He was forgiving. One of the most startling things that we read in Scripture is found in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, when Jesus is on the cross and he proclaims, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Even while bleeding and experienced such extreme pain, Jesus had his heart set on forgiveness, even forgiving those who put him there in the first place. All he wanted was to provide a way for forgiveness. Jesus was committed. He had no lack of commitment whatsoever. Wherever he was, whoever he was with, he was fully in the moment and fully committed to his goals. Despite praying fervently in the Garden of Gethsemane to avoid having to bear the cross and all that physical torture that he knew was to come, he, he did it anyway. Because he knew it was the only way to pray, pay for everyone's sins, so he stayed committed to his goal. He was prayerful. No matter how busy Jesus was, he always found time to be alone and pray. Whether it was in the Garden of Gethsemane, across a river, or on a mountaintop, Jesus would disappear for a while in order to pray to his Father. People always tried to find him. He wouldn't turn them away. But he also made sure to make time spent with his Heavenly Father a priority. He had gentleness. There are certainly times where Jesus used stern words, but he knew when gentleness was appropriate. Children seemed to love coming to him, and he made sure the disciples knew not to hinder them when they wanted to do so. When speaking with the disciples, mother or other ladies, he was often very kind-hearted and gentle. But when he was giving someone a rebuke or making a point in an argument, he knew when turning up the heat was necessary and only did so when it served a purpose. He had patience. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus clearly gets portrayed as a very patient man. After all, he was surrounded by disciples who constantly doubted him, Pharisees and Sadducees who continually attacked him, and large crowds who wouldn't leave him alone. Despite all that, he kept his composure and he responded appropriately to every individual. He had self-control. Before his ministry was launched, Jesus spent time being tempted by the devil in the wilderness. Although he was offered food, power, and many other things, Jesus controlled his desires and submitted them all to the will of God the Father. Yes, he had desires for food and such, but he had a greater desire to obey the Lord and accomplish what was set out for him. And finally, he was humble. Jesus had every opportunity and right to demand praise and accolades for his miracles and his teachings, but he never did. Even when crowds sought to make him king, he ru rushed away from their grasp. 
from their intentions. He did not want to become a sideshow performance that people could enjoy. Rather, he wanted to seek and save the lost and offer forgiveness. Yes, he could have traveled around in order to show off his powers in other towns, but he chose not to do that. We see that most of these traits are active, that they involve doing and not just thinking. When you reread our reading from this morning, you can see how closely the character traits of Jesus line up with the fruits of the Spirit. The world doesn't need more role models. It needs more of Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate role model. And people will not find a better person to emulate positive character traits than Jesus himself. So how should we show Jesus to the world? Well, here's one way. Let's take a look at how using our talents can help us better to understand what our purpose is and show Jesus to the world. Our gifts and talents are not just for us. When God created us, he gave us different gifts, talents, abilities, and skills. There are certain things you do that you're just naturally good at doing. They may not be the same as others, or maybe they are the same as others. And working together creates like a super team for the good of everyone. Your gifts and abilities are how God shaped you. But God did not shape you just for your benefit and for your own good. Your gifts are for the benefit of everyone else. And that, and that means that their gifts are for your benefit too. I believe that one of my gifts is helping people as they deal with the loss of a loved one. I've put this gift to work for many years now for the benefit of other people. When I was younger, I never realized that I had this gift. But due to circumstances in my life that had changed for me, I started looking around for something to do, something that had purpose and meaning. And this opportunity of becoming a funeral celebrant presented itself. Who knew? I know I have other gifts that I'm not so good at, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't use them as well to help others. I believe every gift we have when used benefits others. We just need to understand that and use those gifts more often, make them a part of our everyday life. Sometimes we might wonder why God isn't using us, like there's a switch inside us that needs to be turned on in order to make us to work. Maybe think about this. Are we actually leaving room for him to work in us? Are we leaving room for the Spirit to direct our steps, or are we so busy and consumed by what's going on in our own lives that we miss out on opportunities to serve? Have you ever felt the tug to take a certain route? Maybe speak to a certain stranger or reach out to a friend or help someone who's in need? Or just do you just ignore it? Maybe, just maybe, that's the Spirit scheduling an appointment for you to use your talent. So go to work. Being a disciple maker means leaving room on our schedules for the Spirit to work to move us to action and to direct us to fulfill his purpose. As strange as it sounds, that means being somewhat flexible and writing our schedules in a pencil that has an eraser rather than having those schedules etched in stone. And we have to be okay with that. Why? Because we never know when the Spirit will move or lead us. So we can't be so rigid and immovable with our time that we miss out on an opportunity that the Holy Spirit is presenting to us. So how should you use your gifts or talents? Well, you should use them to reach others and, and for Jesus and to be an ambassador of love in the world, to bring honor and glory to God. 
In fact, if you're not using your unique gifts the way that God intended, then really you're just wasting them. In James chapter 4, verse 17, we read, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So if we think about what James 4.17 is saying, knowing that there are many people in the world, specifically right around us in our everyday lives, who could benefit from our gifts and talents, what are you going to do about it? Who are you serving right now? Who are you going to help between now and when your story ends and eternity begins? I know that there's many programs and ministries available to everyone in this congregation. Are you involved in any of them? If you are, that's awesome. Good for you and good for the for the church here and the work here. But, you know, there's always room for one more to work and to do good, to change lives and to give hope to someone. Let me share an example with you. Imagine for a moment that I gave you a brand new and very expensive vehicle as a gift. It's a van. Can carry seven other passengers. Nice, shiny, gray color. That new vehicle smell. Leather interior. All the bells and whistles that you could ever want in a vehicle. It has room for all the stuff that you need to take with you. But instead of using that vehicle for the purpose that it was intended, you keep that car safe. You keep it locked up in your garage. You go into that garage from time to time to admire it. Boy, doesn't it look nice just sitting there? Just like that car is meant to be driven, to be used, these gifts that we have been given are meant to be used and not hidden. Jesus is the ultimate gift of God, and he demonstrates what it's like to give freely. He went to the cross on our behalf. The gifts that we've been given are for us, but they're also for others. So share your gift with others. Your life has a purpose. God has given you, like the church he gave, like he gave to the church in 1 Corinthians, everything that you need to serve well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 and verse 7, we read, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Because of God's grace, because of the gift of his son, we lack nothing, nothing in this earthly life. We have been given amazing gifts. They may be financial or time, energy, different abilities. So don't waste your God-given abilities. Use your gifts to honor and please God by serving others. This is our purpose. We see in the life of Jesus many examples of how we need to live. We see examples of service, of forgiveness, and of personal evangelism. His interactions with people, like the time when he healed the blind man or as he spoke with the woman at the well. We read read of Jesus doing acts of service for others. When he washed his disciples' feet, he was setting an example, a literal example for us that even the lowest and least worthy of tasks needs doing, and that we should not shy away or refrain from them. If it's important enough to be done, then we need to recognize that and step up and do it. Even though there might not be a great feeling of accomplishment or limelight or praise, if it serves others, we need to do it. We see Jesus who forgave a woman, and she was so grateful she washed his feet with her tears. Or the woman who was brought to him when he was accused of adultery. Jesus didn't condemn her. 
but rather he rebuked her accusers and forgave her. We see how the living water the Samaritan woman received from Jesus immediately became an overflowing, overflowing fountain in her life. Suddenly, this woman who had a less than stellar reputation in her community and who avoided her neighbors and townspeople out of shame and fear found both the belongings she needed in Christ and the boldness to be his witness to the very people that she had avoided. In John chapter 4, verses 39 and verse 42, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. They said, now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. If it wasn't for this woman's witness, her neighbors may not have come to know Jesus. Through this, we see an amazing truth that Jesus, our most profound hurt, can become our most powerful story. Our greatest pain can be used to bring about great victory. And our greatest shame can be redeemed and repurposed as a tool for his glory and for the salvation of many. We see this with the Samaritan woman. We see it with the blind man who said, One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. John chapter 9, verse 25. We see it with many others, Paul, Joseph, Job, and Peter. There's incredible power when you share your God story with others, sharing what he's done in your life. More than anything else, the evidence of a changed life speaks to the glory and the grace of God's power. You can boldly proclaim with your own life and story, come and see, and that is the Holy Spirit at work in you. Do we recognize when our paths cross with others? How do we handle that? How should we handle it? You remember the story of the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip? Two strangers whose paths have crossed? Let's do a quick review. One man, the Ethiopian eunuch, had amassed great wealth. He had power, prominence, and a noble position, all of which gave him the means to acquire a sacred scroll, the book of Isaiah. With his entourage, he travels back home from Jerusalem, reading Isaiah as he rides along in his chariot. The other man is Philip. A deacon within the church. He was far from wealthy, but still a man with prominence and power and a noble position, all of which was a divine gift. Philip enjoyed a wonderful ministry in Samaria, performing many miracles and leading the church to much rejoicing. Acts chapter 8, verse 8. Two very different men. Two very different journeys. And yet in the desert, their paths cross. It's unclear why the Ethiopian had traveled to Jerusalem. Perhaps he had some basic knowledge of God and wanted to know more. Why else would he travel two months one way and purchase an item of unimaginable cost? But God knows, and the man's journey was God's design to spread the gospel abroad. Unknown to him, God had put him on a specific course. And Philip's course was less so. He had a verbal and a divine directive. He had a mission. As such, it involved personal sacrifice. The ministry had in Samaria was going well. The Spirit was moving people, and many people were coming to faith in Jesus. But suddenly, the Lord called him away to the desert. It would be like you or I working for a multi-million dollar corporation and hearing God tell you to resign that position and travel to the other side of the world to work in a humanitarian project. People would think that you're insane to go. But Philip didn't hesitate. He followed the road that God called him to take. Robert Frost alludes to such a road in his poem, The Road Not Taken. In it, he states, 
Two roads diverged in a road and I, I chose the road less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Sometimes God uses different ways to take us to the place that he wants us to be. To those places that make a difference. We don't know why, but when we step out in obedience and faith as Philip did, we're often put in the path of other people who are seeking Jesus. People who don't know how to do that, how to find Jesus, and they need someone else to come alongside to guide them. Like these two men, we all have roads that we travel. Some are common sense roads and others require a strong faith. Yet along them, God reveals more of himself to us, not in our destination, but in our journey. Have you ever been on call for work? On call means dropping what you're doing at the moment and attend to the urgent matter that has come up. As Christians, as believers, we have to be like that. On call and ready to answer or share the good news. In the Great Commission, we are told to, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. The word go doesn't mean that we are to literally drop everything and move to another country or somewhere else in the world. Some have chosen to do that. But rather go means for us to be available to work where we are right now, right here in this place, in this city, to serve our neighbor, to be a witness in our workplace, our community, our favorite restaurant or coffee shop, just where we ever happen to be, we need to go. A body of believers, a church family can be a rich source of joy. The Bible places a high value on fellowship and mutual encouragement among believers. And the idea is not just to socialize, but to intentionally stir up one another to love and good works. Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25. Being a part of a loving community can be both affirming and it can be challenging. It provides a safe place to share your joys, your sorrows, achievements, and even your failures. When the Holy Spirit is in us, things happen. And it's not just about taking, but it's more about giving, encouraging others, being there in times of need and actively participating in the collective spiritual growth of the community. The joy of community comes full circle when we give of ourselves and receive from others in an atmosphere of genuine love and support. I want to close with a couple of passages of Scripture. And I hope that for you, they make further clear what our purpose is as we walk with the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21, we are instructed to be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Did you catch that? 
Be very careful then how you live. Make the most of every opportunity. Understand what the Lord's will is. Be filled with the Spirit. And always give thanks to God the Father for everything. And that includes thanking Him for the gifts that we have. That we would use them. And we thank Him for the opportunity to serve. And finally, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. What we have learned, biblical examples. What we have received, our gifts. What we have heard, God's word, or seen through Jesus' example, put it into practice. And that's our purpose as we walk with the Spirit. If you are here this morning and are considering giving your life to Christ... Let me encourage you to act on that. That can happen this very day. Or maybe, maybe you want to talk to Miles or Jay about something that's troubling you. Let me encourage you to do that. Don't wait. I thank you once again for the opportunity of being here this morning to worship with you. You have refreshed my soul. I thank you for your belief, for your faith, and your desire to do the work of God here in Winnipeg. I thank you for the privilege of bringing this message to you of what we believe our purpose is. And let me encourage you to always walk with the Spirit. And may our God and our Father continue to bless each of you in, in all ways and always. Thank you.